This is The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie Vecchio. The Soul's Intent is a show that boldly claims that it can help reveal where you are on the spiritual path. Learn how there is a physical place of love, truth, and freedom. Listen, and in an instant, learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice. This is The Soul's Intent, and now here's your host, Ernie Vecchio. talking about competing forces um, inside and out. So my question is, what are those competing forces? Mm. Well, in the, in the soul's intent work in general, I, you know, I, I claim to be able to help people with their inner and outer worlds. And, um, and so the, the, the conflict internally, of course, is uh, between the ego and the higher self and, and the external, it's between uh, the ego and the collective culture. Um, so those are the two kind of internal struggles that are going on. But then you have the third struggle, which is the incongruence between the two worlds. So, you know, you have the, the battles taking place internally uh, between the ego and the higher self and, and the divided ego and its swimming in the emotions of it all. And then the outside mm-hmm. experience, yeah, and then the outside experience of just, you know, conflicting with uh, with the collective in some way. And then trying to get aligned, to get those two worlds aligned. And of course, you, you, you of the two, which do you think is the easier to, to balance out, the inside or outside? Um, for me, it would be inside. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. don't understand that 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 is the the only world that matters on the balancing stuff that if you balance the inside that the outside will follow uh just just by nature it'll follow so but unfortunately most of us spend all of our time in the external trying to find our balance and trying to find you know a life that makes sense and and it needs to be internally kind of sought you know and so that's the opposing forces if you will and um with with the understanding and and the work that I do and the work that I teach is that the natural state of the ego is 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 anxious. The the natural state of the human condition is angst. Uh, we've got you know places to go, people to to see, things to do, problems to solve. So we have so this angst is always kind of there, and um, it's just a matter of the intensity of that angst and. And its source, you know, uh, if it's coming from a lot of uh, external uh, cultural kinds of experiential problems that one has had in their life, and then the internal angst is something else. I mean, it's pretty much how we've internalized it and in, in the opinions we've formed about it. I was thinking the other day, for example, that uh, we say all the time that uh, how you think is how you feel. And in the psychology and counseling profession, we say that. And uh, uh, if you took it a step further, uh, uh, what you believe is who you become. And we know now that what you believe uh, be, uh, affects you at, at down to the cells of who you are. Uh, mm. And so, and so, even down to the cells of who you are, your beliefs are impacting uh, who you think you are. The the good news is, and it's a big deal to get. It still isn't what you are. So imagine that 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 if how you think is how you feel, and what you believe is who you become, 
then even in that becoming, which is based predominantly on beliefs, it still isn't what you are. What you are is as vast as the ocean. What you are is mm-hmm. an entity that is eternal, that is connected to life itself, which is the human soul. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's, that's a big deal to, to get. And it's also a big deal to be able to step that far away from the problem. In other words, you have to keep backing up and keep backing up to get to that position of the soul's vantage point. And that's the benefit mm-hmm. in doing that is you get to the mm-hmm. place of what you are instead of expending all your time on who. Wow, that is that is such an important thing to get. So in that place of backing up and backing up and being in that um, soul observer place, in that soul observer or soul awareness place, there really aren't beliefs, right? Well, you're literally standing in the middle of the ocean that people would call the source. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're standing in the mm-hmm. middle of the ocean. The further back you get, you're getting back as far as what God sees. And, um, mm-hmm. and and whatever your idea of God is. And so that's really when you when we talk about the higher self uh, uh, or this this kind of aspect of the of, of the self that is divine or that is uh, unique and special. It, it's typically in that in, in the center of that ocean that we're talking about being the source. So, yeah. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But since we are living in our physical being in in a world that can feel like a fishbowl at times, I've heard you talk about having a bridge between those two worlds and um, the importance of that because we actually can go kind of in and out of that feeling of being uh, feeling vast as the ocean or like we're in a fishbowl. Well, the ego, yeah, yeah, the ego tends to only see the world two dimensionally, so it it takes an either or approach, you know. To the ego, it, you know, I'm either an ocean or I'm a fishbowl. I can't be both uh, because mm-hmm. it, because it only sees that two dimensional perspective, and so it has to be taught that, and that's the that's the the ethical piece. You see, is is that there's mm-hmm. you know if you if you took away the um, the the image of the ocean and the fishbowl and talked about there's a right and a wrong way to be. The ego only sees right and wrong. It doesn't see some halfway place in between. And so that mm-hmm. two-dimensional uh, perspective is part of the problem spiritually and mm-hmm. psychologically because you're not going to get – you're not going to solve the psychological problem until you heal the division. And then in the healing of that division, then you begin to switch the polarities from the division you feel on the inside to healing the division you feel on the outside. And so it's, yeah, so it's a, it's kind of a stepped process and one comes before the other. But once you do that, once you get to an understanding and a place of forgiveness and a place of self-love, then you begin to see life more from an ethical lens and then doing that uh, you're moving into the heart as compass removing the ego as the default compass and now have a compassionate view of yourself and the world that you live in and that's mm-hmm. that's the that's the payoff for all of that um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So, but but, yeah, but 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 yeah. but but it isn't either or, and that's the part of the problem. And when you when you look at the division mm-hmm. and the culture we're experiencing right now, it's all polarization, and uh, mm-hmm. and even in religion we have the polarization, you know. And so we mm-hmm. have we have all these polarized heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We we have we have all these mm-hmm. polarized concepts that we can't seem to find a middle ground on. And in fact, there's a bunch of people that think there is no such thing as a middle ground, when in fact mm-hmm. that that middle way is the path in all spiritual teachings mm-hmm. uh and it you know across the planet that 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 is the the way so to speak and and mm-hmm. so in in the context of the soul's intent it's the way of the heart in, mm-hmm. in religion it's the way of christ you know in buddhism mm-hmm. it's the way of buddha so but but it all kind of gets to the same to the same conclusion uh mm-hmm. overall yeah yeah, yeah. And, you know, being really involved in lots of different spiritual communities and still finding, like, mm, something doesn't feel quite right, something doesn't feel quite balanced to me, um, has everything to do with um, a lot of the things that you just mentioned, that um, even in the spiritual community, there can be this either-or kind of um, thinking. And this um, polarity that um, either you're, you know, totally enlightened and transcended or you're coming from ego. And so it's still in the spiritual community um, either or when really what your teachings bring and understanding of is a both and. It's not an either or, it's a both and, which is immediately makes me relax. I mean, to to go from either or to both and, I just feel an automatic um, relaxing with the both and. And also um, to to move from thinking about um, that the problem is duality. A lot of times in the spiritual community, um, they'd like to talk about, oh, there's some kind of teaching now that they have um, non-duality. Mm-hmm. Like, well, doesn't really make sense and I know I've heard you say this before and it made total sense to me that duality really isn't the problem polarity is the problem and that makes total sense to me where trying to think that we aren't living in duality and trying to bypass that or get around it somehow that doesn't seem like a, a very balanced approach to me well, that's the trouble with uh, with the whole concept of right and wrong or good and evil, you know, and those those kinds of polarities is, is that um, to to reject one to become the other is to then deny that you might possibly have some of those very qualities and traits inside yourself. And um, and mm-hmm. and this is and this is part of the part of the issue. I mean, one of the things we're struggling with in the culture right now is, are you know, uh, are we is are we losing our station in the world is america losing the station in the world uh, you know what are people thinking of us because of our current president and blah 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 all those different kinds of things and and we've turned over some rock and we're now seeing a lot of qualities about our peers uh in our in our own country that we're not real proud of and like we said the last time we we did a show that in some respects it, it's humiliating to see and humbling to see what we um, uh, have become in the past couple of years, past 16, 18 months. 
well, I should say what has been revealed, not so much mm-hmm. what, what, mm-hmm. what we have become. Mm-hmm. And so in that revealing, which is that we that there's a, a distinct possibility that we are not as good as we thought we were, not as, you know, that, that we have qualities and attributes and traits uh, amongst ourselves and amongst and, and in our relationships and in our our culture that we just didn't really want to acknowledge and it was just better not to. And now we're faced with seeing those those, those particular truths. And uh, so this is it. I mean, the, the ego tends to naturally want to polarize and um, mm-hmm. because because it's just the right thing to do from the ego's perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. When it when it isn't the true thing, it's not the true thing to do. And uh, mm-hmm. and, the, and of course, mm-hmm. the true thing is anything that moves you to a place of balance. Um, and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and if you can't find that balance, then you're, then you're stuck. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the so the yeah. so the short answer to the to the show's title question: Are you as vast as the ocean, or you know, as tiny as a fishbowl, or whatever I had written there? Um, you're both. You're both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, you're both simultaneously. I mean, you 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 are vast and tiny at the same time, and uh, mm-hmm. and that that awareness of that and what that really means is really kind of where the work begins. It isn't a destination that you get to. It's a uh, it's more a a humbling reality of that's where you begin. How vast mm-hmm. and how tiny you mm-hmm. are. Yeah. Huh. So I'm wondering uh, what words what uh, terminology would you come up with if you were trying to describe um, what we were talking about in our last show, this this sense of um, mm, that we're kind of being uh, hit with what we have put out there is now coming back to us and we would like to not look at that, maybe the... Um, the ugliness of that, the not so pretty, the not so wonderful, the not so great part um, that has always existed in the United States, but now we can't, um, it's becoming harder and harder to deny that or, or get away from that that truth. So I'm just wondering as far as vast as the ocean or in a fishbowl, would there be some kind of terminology that that you would come up with to describe what we're going through in the United States. Well, I think I think the only you know, the thing that comes to mind very quickly is is the you know that we, that we see ourselves in a fishbowl, <laughs> and uh, and mm-hmm. Uh, and many of us want to to re-erect the the bowl, you know, which is essentially the container mm-hmm. uh, which gives us the sense of security and the illusion of safety and the illusion of of all different kinds of things, uh, instead of looking at the vastness of the problem. Um, and so, in other words, is the ego uh, wanting to reset the culture as it as it needs to be, or is it the soul that wants to reset the culture? Well, the uh, it's mm-hmm. got to be somewhere in between, which means it's got to be the heart that resets the culture. I said to you the, the other day that that. that that you know the soul can't do it alone, and the and the ego can't do it alone, and you know, those two extremes are not going to to right the situation, but the heart will. 
if given mm-hmm. if given the right amount of station, it will. And so and so all that really means to me is is that you know we've had 25 years plus of of the ego being the default compass, and this is what mm-hmm. you meant, and this is what you meant by that we're getting back what we put out, and is we're mm-hmm. really getting we're getting back the impact of what we put in charge, and what we put in charge of. Uh, of the culture has been has been the ego and that and so that reset is happening uh, and 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 the the part about that to me that's kind of uh, kind of curious is we shifted from a guilt oriented culture to a shame based culture do we go back to a guilt oriented culture you see and that was the question you asked in mm-hmm. the last in, mm-hmm. in the last show you didn't ask it quite that way but you said is there any way to um, to go backwards uh, mm-hmm. Now that we've moved forward in, in, in the direction that we've moved, and we can go back to guilt, and guilt is healthier than shame, and guilt mm-hmm. compensation guilt compensation has always been religion, so that's already in place. So we could go back to that, uh, which is probably from a from a mental health standpoint a healthier disorder to have guilt versus shame, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because because shame is much more detached, much more disordered. Much more disconnected than guilt, hmm. uh, and I'm talking about to, I'm, I'm talking about to the heart and to the ethic of what the heart stands for. Right. But but the but the larger question that you had asked, I think, in the last show was, can we transcend guilt and shame? And I said at, at a at a at an individual micro uh, way we can in our own personal lives we can, but in a collective sense, probably not. So, so we so we can transcend guilt and shame internally in our own personal work, which I which I said you know is really the road less traveled, and mm-hmm. and, and transcend guilt and shame and personality uh, problems and issues that come with division and separation uh, to then heal those and and reconnect to our to our higher selves and to connect to a higher states of consciousness that we talk about. At a personal mm-hmm. level, at a collective level, mm-hmm. you know, we can do it, but not in not the not the entire population. If you look at a normal curve, it would be fifteen percent or so of the population may pull that off, but the but the majority are quite content with the illusions and quite content with guilt. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but since we are going through a collapse of um, these illusions that. Um, we've kind of been living with in the United States. Um, I just, I just wonder as a collective, what is that going to look like? Because um, I don't know that we could go, I I don't know that we could go back to guilt, like back to the uh, 1950s. I don't know for one thing that women would stand for that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think well, it, it's a good question because it falls. It doesn't fall down on on our generation. It falls on the generations of our children. We're talking mm. people, you know, fifteen to thirty-five. Is is they're the ones that are going to have to answer that question. Where are we now? Mm. You know, you, uh, you've seen mm-hmm. you've seen the um, the picture when you've been out anywhere uh, on vacation. They'll have an X that marks the spot where you're standing and says, "This is where you are." Well, mm-hmm. at, some, at some point, the young people are going to be the ones looking at that map that says this is where you are, and they're going to have to redefine and reestablish uh, what they consider integrity to be. 
And um, mm-hmm. so, so what I'm trying to do with the work I'm doing is leave some kind of hint of what that might look like. Yeah. So so if you're going to if you're going to reestablish some old ways of doing things, then here is some some kind of tried and tested uh, perspectives that are not just simply my own, but literally the the perspectives of thousands of other people that have gone through adversity uh, kind of get to the same conclusion. Here's their here's their idea of, of integrity and their idea of of evolution and uh, and just kind of throw it into the pot with what else is out there, <laughs> you know. And well, the, yeah, and, yeah. Right. and that is such an important thing. I mean, that you're doing through your teaching, but also um, all of us. Um, um, how should I put it? Uh, older generation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we we could all be passing the baton to um, our children and our grandchildren to what's what's possible. You know, what did we learn from our lives and and um, what what do we want to pass on? And I think um, what you just acknowledged about the heart um, is such a major major thing um, because you've talked about the loss self you've talked about the heart as um our inner navigation and it seems like that's where we really got lost that's yeah. where we really got lost in the united states when we kind of left the heart place we left the feeling place um that's something of course you know and i know that we had going through um the 60s and everything that um we experienced and we were really really in a heart place and a feeling place and i think that's something that we can pass on well we we had you know the generations that we grew up in or the or the generation we grew up in had the uh the privilege of being able to talk about altered states of consciousness and higher forms of awareness and all those different Mm -hmm. wonderful things and some of that wasn't all good some of that was done with sex, drugs, and rock and roll, it wasn't necessarily right, all good. Right. It wasn't all good stuff. But I think the I think the um, the point is we had a ceiling and we had a we had a a ladder of um, of acquisition of rites of passage and success mm-hmm. and accomplishment that was way out in front of us and way and way clear as to how high up on that ladder we could go and and how far we could go. That's changed today. Today now we're talking to a generation, to two or three generations of uh, not about enlightenment and consciousness, but how to save the world. And so, and mm-hmm. so, if, if you narrow that down to what does that mean on a personal, in, in, in a personal way, it means how can you be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be, and then turn around and pass that on because that's what will save the world. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 and so you can do it at the personal, you know, in a, in a personal way in your own personal life is what really is healthy, uh, because you already have a real clear picture of what is unhealthy. And, yeah. uh, but, but unfortunately we don't have a lot of respect by the younger generations. I mean, the older folks aren't getting much respect and, and I understand why, because mm-hmm. we've, we've kind of, we are responsible for the failing of the institutions and the failing of integrity. We are responsible for that. On some level, so I think, in a way we in a way we sold out. 
Yeah, yeah. And so and so I think, well, I don't even know that we did it consciously. I mean, unfortunately, I don't think it was a conscious right. thing. I just think we just, right. that's just the result of what happened. But I think in my own personal life, in my own professional life, you know, that I, you know, you asked me the other day uh, if I was inspired, still inspired by my work and, and what I'm doing in the future. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, that mm-hmm. I, I feel a, a sense of obligation to at least um, complete what I've started about this work to get the information out there just simply because to do anything other than that would be negligent. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and and I feel like that that's what I need to do. That, that's my own personal choice in my own personal life. I don't know how many other people feel that way about their lives in regards to their own wisdom and their own stuff, but I think that's it. You know, I mean, that, that's part mm-hmm. of that's part of the definition of my meaning of life is, you know, learn some stuff right. and pass it on, you know? Yeah. What yeah. good is it to learn I, it? I, I definitely feel that way. Also, yeah. I, I do feel that way that I would be um, not being a truly caring, responsible adult if I didn't um, take the time and make the effort to pass on the wisdom that I've learned from my own life. That would certainly not be the most loving thing to do to not pass that on. Yeah, and of course, the you know the normal place to do that is in your family and and in your circle of friends, and then. It kind of broadens out into the community, et cetera, et cetera. So it just depends upon, mm-hmm. you know, how deep your heart's conviction goes. And my own personal work, this this lens or lenses of perception, it's plural, really. These lenses of perception that have that that I have been working on explaining and understanding, as far as the human experience mm-hmm. is concerned, was not something I set out to do. It's just it's just something that ended up happening. Because of all mm-hmm. of all of the exposure that I had to the unconscious material of people undergoing adversity, uh, but nonetheless, it's still information that is valuable and worth hearing. So, um, so the, the the challenge has been, you know, how do I put it out and how do I get it to people? And so, and so that's really what this is about. What we're doing here and what I'm doing in the future is about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Right. So there's there's one um, line that you wrote in um, what I had kind of uh, based on uh, the the show we're doing today, and I kind of would like you to to expand on that with the idea in mind of of what's happening in our country today, and that line is the soul knows that if we can accept that suffering, um, the spirit versus ego relationship is our journey, we can return to the authentic self. So how does that line relate to what's happening in our our country today? Because I think it definitely does. Yeah, well, I think what I'm saying there, of course, is is that we, you know, I said authentic self, um, Mm -hmm. true self, uh, healthy self, whatever word you want to use, is is really... Yeah, feeling self would even be accurate. Um, yeah, the weak. It was my way of saying that 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 the soul the soul's intent is literally to be free to express without any restriction uh, in this in this life that is yours. Um, anything that prevents that expression uh, needs to get out of the way. At some level, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, for for you to be fully uh, in this moment and in this experience, uh, the psychology of who you are is is the 
right now is the filter of, in, in which we are doing our lives, and that filter has got to be uh, balanced out. It's not going to be 100% removed uh, at the collective level because it's always going to be there, but, but you can personally uh, get, get it out of the way in your own internal world. You can get a balance of that. Mm-hmm. You can negotiate with your, with your dark side, so to speak, and find a balance between who you think you are and who you really are, and then make a decision to bring that into the world in some expressive way that is healthy. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so, so it's, it's, it's literally just getting back to compassion, which, you know, sounds like a simple thing to do, but, um, again, the definition of the word compassion means to suffer with ourselves, not to suffer for ourselves. We somehow shifted mm-hmm. in the past 30 years to suffering for ourselves, and we got to shift back. And that, mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. and that, and that's what we're going through now. We're suffering. You know, that's the show we did the last week was about this idea of grief. Of and I'm and I said in the in the show we have to get real clear on what we what it is we think we've lost, um, because. My estimation is what we've lost is that the veil has come down and we're seeing the truth. So we've lost the lie that everything mm-hmm. is hunky-dory and everything is fine and wonderful in the United States yeah. and everybody in it is just hunky-dory and perfect people. Uh, you know, that's, that's all collapsed and now, we, now we're seeing some level of truth about that. So that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Right. And, um, but it's going to take some compassion, which is self-love and some humility uh, mm-hmm. for us to reset. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and so when mm-hmm. I say get back to the authentic self, uh, that depends upon a person's perspective of what they consider authenticity to be. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, to me mm-hmm. authenticity in the context of the soul's intent is how do I get back to where the heart is the center and, and, and true north is, is my goal in regards to my own spiritual and psychological life, or do I just continue to to battle and debate right versus wrong? You know. Well, yeah, yeah, and I think too in embracing the suffering. Um, you know, the soul knows that if we can accept that suffering is our journey, we can return to to the true self, the feeling self, and I think. Part of that would be, and, and it seems like this is um, something we've lost in the United States, that if, if the young, younger generation can find this within themselves, and that is their spiritedness, mm-hmm. being yeah. spirited. Because yeah. without that, you can't really move without being spirited. You, you yeah. are you know, like dead in the water. It's, there's no movement. Right. Well, you know, we say in we say in athletics that you know, no pain, no gain, and and a lot of people know that phrase, and don't really stop and think, really, what the phrase means. I mean, it, you'd think it would be simple, you know, without pain there is no improvement, but they're leaving out something that's very very important, and that is practice. Without mm-hmm. without practicing, no no pain, no gain. There is no growth. So just pain, mm-hmm. pain and gain again by the, by itself is is an empty way to see it. And um, mm-hmm. the, no no practice means no gain. And uh, mm-hmm. and so at some level, this is what we have to get clear on: is what are we going to get up every day and practice? 
we already well, know. Yeah. We already know that we're going to get up and practice our beliefs because we're on automatic and we're kind of robotic right. in how we do our right. lives. And so, so we want to we want to look at those and examine those, and we we also want to look and examine at what we're at what we're being told to believe, and mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and and then get real clear that what we're pursuing is knowledge that will lead us towards truth or to a place of knowing. So we're not strictly mm-hmm. having to rely on only our beliefs. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. And you know, so so there's a, mm-hmm. so there's some experiential inquiry that has to happen either with oneself or with whoever we're communicating with. Yeah. 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 That's an important thing to know um, to uh, inquire inquire within. So I think another word for suffering is is angst. And I'm just wondering, you know, what if we really um, um, embraced our angst in the United States and asked ourselves, where is our angst coming from? What is that angst about? What if we really embraced it instead Mm. of trying to dampen it or put it out or ignore it? What if we, because to me, that's what you're saying in in that line that that I've read a couple times now, you're you're saying that our suffering, our angst is really what pushes us forward and what grows us and evolves us and moves us towards that true self. And it's unique for each individual, for sure. And it's unique to one's personal history and their personal story. And in many respects, it's even mm-hmm. it's even unique to their culture, family, mm-hmm. and collective culture. Uh, that that that's the outside answer to that. But but again, to me, it's the inside answer that we need to be uh, seeking some um, some resolve for. And and the inside answer is that is freedom. That 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 mm-hmm. that, that, that the that the angst the angst is all about freedom. Freedom, and it's not, mm. and it's not freedom of speech or freedom to own a gun or freedom, all the freedoms that we run down the list in our culture. It's just a freedom to be. And uh, mm. and and then and then in the being, uh, that we fall down on the side of ethical being versus a moral mm. being or a moral existence. Um, and so and so. If you stay on, in the external with it, then we're then we're just going to stick to personal freedoms of all different types of all different, you know, depending upon what mm-hmm. angle you're coming at the question with. If you go internal with it, then it's human free, uh, freedom and human freedom mm-hmm. and, the, and, and to be human and what that means uh, is what this is really about. And this is this is where we're, where we're at on the world stage. What does it mean to be a human being? Not what does it mean to be mm-hmm. an American? What does it mean to be a male or a female or black or white or Hispanic, whatever it is, you know, we're talking about, what does it mean to be human and what freedoms is that human allowed to have, or is that human, should that human be able to expect to have in this lifetime and in this existence? Um, and that's it. And, uh, and the, the outside mm-hmm. stuff, the outside stuff is more political, societal, Mm-hmm. Kind of religious space. The inside stuff is is all spiritual and psychological. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. The biggest freedom would be the freedom to be, mm-hmm. to be Absolutely. what you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, instead instead of the freedom to be who you are, because we already know that who you are needs a parent, and who you are needs guidance and structure and rules and regulations, and the, you know what you are doesn't need much of those things. Right. And right. Um, and of yeah. course we're making a distinction between the ego and the soul, and um, yeah. you know, the soul the soul doesn't need all those rules and all those boundaries. You know, in in, in its expression, uh, it will not break any laws or break any rules because it's got an ethical larger picture view of things uh it mm-hmm. isn't it isn't mm-hmm. about itself uh because it doesn't see itself as a self <laughs> it sees you know it, it views this it views this experience um um well i don't know that it views the experience it's just in this experience is part of life and part of what that means to be connected to life itself and so yeah i know that's kind yeah. of out there but yeah no, I, I I totally get that. And wouldn't it be great if we could open up to that and realize if we connected to that that you were just talking about, we really would be living in the United States land of the free, but it would have a totally different twist on it. Yeah. Well, and again, we've talked before about this isn't about reaching some place of utopia. It's 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 about getting to it's about finding a place in the human experience where the soul can be, you know, um, as free as it possibly can be to express because it is an extension of creation, and and we want to see what that makes. You see, whatever that mm-hmm. free expression would be, and um, and yeah. so 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 it isn't about some place of utopia. It's just enough freedom so that that expression can arrive and be seen and experienced by other souls so to speak Um, well i was just thinking that in the united states and and this is maybe maybe a personal opinion Uh, well it is a personal opinion i i feel like we really have a responsibility as individuals living in the united states because of um all that we're given that we have a real responsibility to take some kind of leadership in that because yeah we we really do need to kind of step up and be the example yeah yeah if you if you've never been to a third world country and and i've been to several then you you don't have any idea how privileged we are. (laughs) I mean, even our poorest poor is pretty privileged compared to third world countries. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing, but uh, yeah. So that, you know, so the, the, the idea of the vastness and, and the, and the, and the tininess and the tininess that we are and those, those two extremes really was just to kind of get the point across that, that we are actually both of those things and that, um, that that the vastness of who we are energizes our insignificance. It kind of fuels that, and so you have to kind of get a get a sense of what that's about. And and this work kind of helps with that and leads you you know in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. And to to just have the experience of of feeling significant and insignificant, feeling tiny and vast. Feeling those things kind of at the at the same time, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful experience that brings such awareness and such humbleness. I think. Yeah, well, and and, and it's supposed to. I mean, that's you know, that's the that's the risk that we that we run with um, 
uh, with what's going on in the culture with the spiritual movement in general is, is that we, we have all different kinds of ideas about what it means to be spiritual and what it means to be enlightened and evolved and all these different things. And for me, it's really simple, you know, that um, and this is what my work is trying to do is to simplify it and make it mm-hmm. and make it attainable, you know, for everybody, not just for the elite or the people that have disposable incomes, but um, mm-hmm. that it, that's available to everybody who, who gets a deeper sense of what it means to be healthy. Yeah. Because healthiness, healthiness and spiritualness are really kind of tied to, to one another. And, you know, the spirituality got its station in the culture because everybody was pursuing a healthier perspective is they were abandoning what they considered to be dogma and rigid rigid ways of looking at the world. So spirituality got you know made its jump, made its leap with the intent of moving into a healthy place. And um but it but it isn't um you don't get there simply by saying you're spiritual. There's a there's a context and a practice that needs to needs to be kind of a part of your life uh until it becomes kind of just part of your day-to-day activity like breathing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know imagine yeah. that, you, that you would have to practice breathing <laughs> you know it's it's not something that we typically have to practice well true mm-hmm. spirituality is something that has to be embraced at the level of practice and um but a, but a healthy context is needed and and you're not going to get it with um some of the big words that were thrown around in the and the collective culture about it. Well, yeah, and to find that that healthiness, it does take a, a inward journey because um, healthy, at least how far we've come and where we are right now in our country, healthy does not necessarily mean normal. Um, and so I think to find what that healthiness is, it really does take a, a inward journey to do that because only each individual can um, define that for themselves, what healthy is for them. And I well, think that's yeah. something well, the, yeah, the, your teaching really, really helps with. The professional mm-hmm. community, you know, is is very good at identifying what mental illness is, but they're not not as good at defining what mental health is. And um, And you would think that if I can define mental illness, I should be able to define mental health. Um, and and really, it's just a catch-all. It isn't uh, mm-hmm. it isn't a definition. And so my work gives a definition for what normal technically would look like internally, which is the only place that it matters. What mm-hmm. normal looks what normal looks like on the outside is is really uh, based upon the person's perspective and vantage mm-hmm. point. Internally, mm-hmm. normal is normal, and I and and I have a a very strong sense of what that is, but only because it came to me from us. In other words, thousands of people undergoing the resolution of this internal angst and conflict that we're talking about, finding that resolve, and then coming up with some pretty astute and profound observations in the process. And so all I'm really doing is sharing the insights and the perspectives that is coming from us uh, about what it means to be human.
that's what makes your teaching so unique is because it did come from us. It came from person after person after person, trauma patient after trauma patient that revealed to you um, the wisdom of our own soul. And that's what you then um, pieced together, um, connected all the dots, and turned into a wonderful teaching. We know that when uh, the soul was born uh, as a burst of light, that it takes two identical cells and causes those cells to multiply uh, first into four and then into 16 and so on. Uh, and the intelligence that and these cells are all identical the intelligence that then organizes those cells into organs, which then creates a skeleton and a brain and a heart and a lung and kidneys, is is that intelligence is what we're talking about here. And mm-hmm. and if you could be if you could be tapped into that and be aware of that, or if you could give that intelligence stationed in your you know in your life, should you? And that's the question here, you see. And uh and how vast is that intelligence? Well, it, it represents every living thing. <laughs> and so, and so mm-hmm. it's a fair amount of intelligence. And so that to me is, is, is what I want folks to take away from the show today is, is that that vastness is in that intelligence that formed the very body that you're walking around in, uh, the very organs that operate inside mm-hmm. your body, the very, field of energy that maintains your heartbeat and keeps your brain functioning that same intelligence is what we're talking about tapping into and that it and that it has a not only does it have a source it is connected to that source uh, and and do you want the same connection yeah yeah yeah. and we've had it all along we just somehow um, got a little lost yeah, like I said before, we 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 thought the compass was broken, and we just needed to tap the glass, and needle was stuck. <laughs> and I think, and I yeah. think we've done that. We've done it multiple times in our history as human beings, and and that's why I said you know that we're going to recorrect it again. The needle's going to get unstuck yeah. again, and and the and the boat will right itself, so to speak. But it takes time. Mm-hmm. In fact, it takes generations. Mm-hmm. It takes generations, yeah. and so I think that 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 the the role of the older generation is to uh, be able to leave uh, with the younger generation uh, some sense of of the, of the task, you know, what what the orientation needs to be mm-hmm. to kind of right the helm of the ship, so to speak. Um, oh, oh, and, oh, yeah, yeah, and that and that really is is what I see the soul's intent doing, and I see. Uh, this final chapter of my of my impersonal work is that's what it's doing is trying to write the mm-hmm. helm of the ship and write not in not in the sense of right or wrong but write in the terms of accurate direction pointing towards uh the task uh which in this case is to mm-hmm. is to reset the human experience to where the heart is reinstalled as the compass right which is our true north absolutely Thank you for being a part of The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie Vecchio. This is the show that can open your mind to things you never thought possible. 
While problems manifest psychospiritually, on a most essential level, there exists an energy component that provides the instructions for these fields to enter awareness. And the soul's intent is here to help you learn what these instructions are. Join us each week to learn how there is a physical place of love, truth, and freedom, and how in an instant learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice. 